are squawking dead. Or me. Me and you are squawking dead. Tonight, it's just me, your friendly neighborhood Dave. Tonight we're covering the mid-season premiere of The Walking Dead, episode 9 adaptation. I'm glad you spend your Friday night with me, Dave. And uh, tonight we have a lot to talk about. I hope you enjoy watching this new layout. We're back to our season 9 themed colors. Um, we've got some interesting things at the bottom here if you're uh, listening on Instagram. We've got some cool things up here if you're looking at us on YouTube uh, or on Facebook. I'm going to be asking some interesting questions as I go too because I've got some things lined up in terms of just thoughts on... I mean, less my own thoughts than more questions because, I mean, obviously we're coming back in. Um, <laughs> ben Blaze. Um, he, he reads that Rick might cross over into Fear the Walking Dead. I mean, why doesn't everybody just go over to Fear the Walking Dead now that we're, now that we're mentioning it? Abandon ship, the Walking Dead. Fear the Walking Dead is sanctuary. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think, I think everybody might as well go. I mean, Dwight's there, and we all know what happens in the comics. So, hey, I'm the Dark. Remember when you said I should behave? That's not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen at all. <laughs> So, um, hey, Sean, Nashville, Negan, what is up? What is up? It's good to see you, buddy. So I, I guess what I'll do is I'll bring up the topics and uh, we'll get into it. Hey, guys, this is a big... And I can see your chats. My chat's staying up. I got a new version of the, uh, the streaming thing that I'm using for Instagram. Part of the thing that I wanted to tell you guys was that um, I did a little test earlier and I was able to stream uh, perpetually on Instagram. So that's pretty exciting. I don't have to tell you guys to shunt on over to YouTube or Facebook, although I can see your emojis on those platforms, just so you know. So if you're sending me an emoji, like I, I know that, so here's what I do know. I know that I in the dark too was laughing back there because I told her I'd behave and I'm not. So I'm not going to behave. I may swear a little, I may get a little saucy. So, um, but yeah, there you go. So Instagram is a free for all. You're free to stay. Um, just at the end of the hour, when the stream stops, you'll see the other one start up immediately. I'll wait a little while for it to, for you guys to, to get on over there. But otherwise my hands are free so that you guys can, um, uh, you know, we can continue on with the show. So let's get this thing started. <laughs> Better if I don't behave. Um, all right. So the first thing I kind of wanted to start off was with Negan. Aren't you glad you're back? Because the first thing you generally see is, I mean, the first thing you see is the scene in the graveyard, in the cemetery. And um, uh, again, they're continuing with the, the visuals that we saw in the last episode in the mid-season um, uh the mid-season uh, finale. That's the word. Um, and uh, I, I didn't check and I wanted to to see if Michael Satrazemus was still was doing at least that one beginning part because it seems to me that um, that uh, Michael Cudlitz, when he was doing some of the directing, um, he was doing it in pieces. So he, I, like, like meaning certain scenes you'd spend a lot more time on than others and some in the editing room more, more, more than others. Sometimes you actually take control of the visual direction, which is not... It doesn't happen very often. So um, what's really cool about that was, uh, was yeah, I mean, seeing those visuals that Michael Satrazim has put on in the, in the beginning that continued on, like, you know, the thundering, the lightning, the tight shots, the, the confused angles to kind of get you a little bit more nervous. Um, yeah, so I'm looking at three different chats. All, everything's going on at the same time. Um, yeah, and so seeing that all happen, that was pretty great. Um, uh, and continuing those elements, like when we went, when we panned back to Alexandria after that scene in the cemetery, 
um, you you notice that you know you still have that rolling fog, that overhead shot of uh, of uh, Alexandria. It's creepy. It's night. You know the fog is kind of dissipating, which means that you know we're we're exiting that scene, that scene in the graveyard, that that looming and ominous scene. Um, <laughs> I'm just like watching the chat. It's great. Um, and so we're moving on to Negan. Negan's, Negan's leaving the cemetery, uh, leaving the cemetery, leaving Alexandria. Um, and there are just a couple of things that were that were shown that I kind of want to touch on. And that's um, and the first thing is um, you've got um, oh Yvette. So we're, you asked me where my partner is, Carol. Um, well, I mean we we're actually st- starting to set up like a whole bunch of hosts. A we, it's me, <laughs> but it's we. Um, kind of like why it's kind of like why I started the whole tagline of we are squawking dead. Uh, and that is, um, it's kind of because I'm trying to do a lot more collaboration. I'm trying to do some more, um, uh, so it's, it's going to be me mainly. So, you know, I, very disappointing, but you know, it's me. Um, but you know, between Carol, we've got Ashley Weidman. Um, let me just put this right here and here. Um, we got Ashley, uh, Carol, Ashley Weidman. Uh, I am talking to the, I, I can say this out loud because I, I think they're game and I think they're game for me to go on their show. And, uh, you know, the BM, I mean, you know, BMNY Deadcast, uh, beast mode, uh, BMNY family. Um, so I'm talking with them as well. So, and we're in the same state. So I, and this whole Instagram thing that, that's going on right now, the fact that we can actually, um, uh, do, uh, chats and, um, uh, and continue the stream on. I'm going to talk to them on how to do that because I know that the way they're, do- they're doing it on Instagram right now is kind of kind of low, very low tech and doing it the way that I'm doing it now is very high tech. Um, so, uh, yeah. So, you know, why not? You know, and these guys, I mean, they're, they're so great. They're so nice. They've invited me in with open arms in our, in our little Twitter, Twitter chat. It's great. So, um, and you know, I mean, we're, we're both New Yorkers. We both love the walking dead. I mean, it's just, it's just a match that's, it's just been waiting to happen. It's just waiting to blossom. So I talked to I talked to one of them. I don't know which one I talked to, Eric or um, um, uh, what was the other guy's name? I, I, I'm having a problem with names today, but uh, yeah. So we're we, I talked with um, one of them tonight, and uh, I, I was trying to get him to come on tonight, but I, it just the timing didn't work out. And um, oh hey, Miss Mazel, Miss Mazel, I should say. Shout out to Juice. Um, yeah, Chris and Ryan. See, I knew it was an R. Uh, <laughs> And, um, yeah, so, and one of them was going off to work and uh, the other one didn't answer. I would have taken one or the other. It wouldn't matter. Um, so yeah. Uh, and so and I'm building a little bit more. There are some people who are currently on the chat whom I've talked to about co-hosting as soon as they get permission from their moms and dads. Um, so yeah, so I'm working on it. I'm, I'm basically, I basically have a group in Instagram that with, uh, all the current hosts, AKA just Carol and Ashley right now, officially. And, uh, yeah, we're walking, uh, <laughs> yeah. And we're, and we're working on, um, on actually doing that. Like we're working on a, we are squawking dead thing. It's going to be real. Um, and, uh, it doesn't have to remain just uh, two people. Like, um, so if we've got three people, like we did that, the Ashley Weidman show was me, Carol and Ashley. So, uh, you know, you never know what can happen. Yeah. You know, I do a lot better on these podcasts alone when I'm with you guys. And I really appreciate you being here. <laughs> it's like I have like, it's not like I'm like panic attack mode, but it's kind of like, it's, it's a lot different when you don't get that instant feedback, you know? So, uh, patent it. Patent it. I should actually, it's, it is, should be trademarked. It should be trademarked. 
Um, but uh, it might it might be. I still have to get. I shouldn't say this out loud, but you guys are family. You know, you you gotta you can be honest with family. Uh, I should like actually um, trademark. Uh, I mean, Squawking Dead to begin with. So um, many have used it, few have tried. So AKA none. Uh, so yeah, the first thing I wanted to talk to talk to everybody about, or just mention out loud, was the um, was that. But then uh, going back to Negan, the first thing we see him do is after he gets out is eat that tomato. And uh, we've seen the the tomato thing come up here and there on uh, on the on recent episodes, but also um, in season eight. Uh, one of those things is uh, well, go, going back to season eight, a lot of Carl's flash forwards. It was, I mean, Rick says when he's talking to Carl. Uh, about his visions of the future later on in season eight about um all of that is oh man the hands he's talking about um oh you're gonna grow strawberries with negan it was like no it was more like tomatoes right so and when we see the flash forwards with him and judith it's all about tomatoes right we walk into season nine and tomatoes are kind of like a prevalent form of uh crop you see it in when jeb aka mud whatever goes to um maggie and cal's cart as they're trying to head back to bridge camp yeah Rick sets a tomato on Carl's grave. Good, good eye. No sanctuary. Um, and um, one of the things that gets trampled, like signifying the fact that this truce has broken down, is a tomato in that um, that riot scene. So when we see Negan pick up that tomato and then like munch on it, like like wholeheartedly, it's like it kind of signifies the fact that he's already not himself anymore. He's already embraced this kind of new world order. You know. <laughs> No sanctuary. That's that's pretty funny. But who the who the fuck eats a whole tomato? My brother did for ten bucks. It was horrifying. I mean, have you ever had tomato sauce before? <laughs> it's like it's not all that different. I mean, it's like the fresh form of tomato sauce, buddy. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Saviors ran o- over one at the work camp. I in the dark too. They, that's what I was mentioning. Yeah. Um, so uh, like the symbolism is rife in this season. I have to say, like. There were certain things in the last season, something I, I spoke with um, Ashley Weidman on the side, and it, it was one thing I actually mentioned on the podcast that Carol was just kind of like, you know, just over the head about was, um, and you may remember this, is like the blue paint. Uh, so I'll go backwards here. So you, you've seen the blue paint, the handprints on the wall uh, on the two by fours, you know, with the uh, triangle two by fours with uh, Carl and Judith's handprints. But in that same episode where they actually do it, you have um, you have uh, Jadis painting with that same color blue paint, and like the sig- like the symbolism is kind of rife. You know what I mean? Um, and so you got a little bit of that. So the tomato here is kind of it's kind of telling. And then the idea of that of what it's all about kind of comes back um, when you finally do get to the end of the episode and Negan realizes that there really is nothing out there for him. You know, so uh, it, so it all kind of comes full circle and and it becomes becomes more significant than we actually realize you know um oh and the one thing i also wanted to mention is that um tomatoes eggplants uh, i'm trying to think of other versions of this type of crop but like um they're nightshade plants i mean they're technically in the poison family so think about that one for a minute and if you have any ideas just spit them out because i couldn't get beyond that point um and yes we do need more judith uh miss mazel yeah, and yes, Yvette, New Yorkers do talk with their hands. Thank you, uh, Italian immigrant, immigrant community, for teaching us the value. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a lot, lot going on tonight. Uh, I'm honored that you're, that you're here with me. 
With us. With we. Um, yeah, so one of the things I actually wanted to bring up was why, oh why, does Negan choose a shovel of all things, you know? Think about think about that for a second because I'm like struggling to think of, I know, okay, I may be looking too into it, hashtag I'm looking too into it, but um, I mean, the, the closest I could think of was like a just in case sort of thing. Um, and, um, you know, like if he gets the sanctuary and, you know, he happens to see a whole bunch of dead people people would be like, well, I guess I'm burying them. Um, so, I mean, if you have any thoughts on that, I mean, I, I would definitely like to hear them because I just thought it was kind of, it's like out of all the strange things to, let's say, even kill walkers with, like you couldn't find like a pick, a hoe, you know what I mean? Like out of all things, a shovel, you know, like a, a pipe, a two by four. I mean, a stick, stick goes tabby, stabby, stabby, you know, but a shovel weird. Um, so I had that out there. And uh, Nisa mentions that uh, that not only are tomatoes easier to grow, she has her own garden of nightshade plants because she's poison. There go my hands again. Oh, um, <laughs> um, oh I see. I see. Okay, because I'm talking to uh, Nisa says that the, uh, the shovel is about the same size as the bat. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Um, okay, that's interesting. Um, Yvette and I guess No Sanctuary are basically saying, um, uh, No Sanctuary is actually, that's a really good point, to bury his past. Um, I don't think so. I think he was all about, um, I think he's all about trying to actually get back into it. Maybe do it differently, but I, you could tell that he's going in, he's doing the whistle, he's trying to assert his dominance again, his little, little whistle. Um, but yeah, the idea of planting a new community, Yvette and No Sanctuary basically mentioned, that's, that's a good idea. Like maybe he's trying to do it a little differently too. And like one of the things I actually noticed about, um, when he comes back, I mean, one of the things he tries to do is set things up right, pick things up. Um, you know, basically set things in order that the way they used to be. He goes to each of the places that he was at. He's trying to do things the same way, and maybe he has intentions to do things differently. Um, but I, I think he also is caught between, you know, picking up where he left off and, and maybe this, I don't know, this new attitude. I mean, because it's, it's going to chase him down, too. It's going gonna, it's gonna to hound him, literally. Um, yeah, okay, so Yvette, I'd be surprised if he changes, but his kindness to Judith. That's the thing that I think is going to be the big... It's kind of like why I like the idea of, of this Judith Grimes kid, you know what I mean? Like, um, there's like a sweetness to her, but there's an assertiveness that he respects, too. So it's not like as simple as Negan likes kids. Of course he likes kids, but... I mean, think of Carl and think of Judith. And I think when you think of kind of like, okay, you miss Carl, um, but when it comes to Judith, like Judith, because he, he basically got a fresh start with Judith. He got to instill some of his attitude into her, into their friendship growing up together. You know what I mean? Um, so, I mean, they, they, she, he, he saw her grow up from like a, a little kid, you know? So when he finally climbs the gate, okay, um, one of the things, so I, I like this little encounter with him and, and Judith because it's very, it's very telling because Judith is kind of like no nonsense. Um, and, but like there's, there's a, there's a part of, there's a part of this whole process, like this whole interaction that makes me wonder a little bit because, um, if you if you think about it, um, Judith is no nonsense. However, like right from the beginning, she goes that she's out there with Aaron and everybody, and the first thing she does is bring this new group in against her mother's wishes. So you've got like I follow the rules as they're set out, but at the same time she makes up her own rules along the way, right? So you see this play out in this scene right here, and one of the things that she, 
that I'm thinking is that is is what's going on is that um she's basically struggling also because she's still a kid you know if um she doesn't want him to leave because she, he's her friend as well right um so if you think about that like she's making up her own rules she's trying to tell Negan to follow the rules but also she's losing her friend um that's kind of interesting though I mean and and, and she puts up this really good solid front too so I, I thought that was a really good interaction I mean. I, I love the expression he even uses for his cell, um, which is four walls and a roof. Uh, sorry, four walls and a bedpan. And then I wrote, oh, yeah, it's like that episode, four walls and a roof, like referring to the ch- church, right? Um, and then, like, later on in the episode, when um, when when Daryl finally gets to Lydia and she finally kind of breaks a little bit from this, like, like this wounded, squirrely animal, like, she even mentions, like, walls and communities fall. Like, communities fall. And, like, she mentions specifically walls. Like, walls don't help you know so um you know think about that for a second because it's like these themes kind of come back and you know back and we've heard in the past how like okay like in the in fear of the walking dead um when it comes to the vultures the vultures don't believe communities can can last you know so this theme does kind of come up and i think it's kind of telling that um that it was put in such a way because a lot of people thought the vultures were kind of like the primordial whispers in a way like some people were theorizing that and then the idea of of uh of madison becoming alpha was also kind of intriguing as well so like all these themes kind of playing around with each other we were kind of surprised that she didn't end up being alpha you know so which is kind of like what a lot of a lot of people I know were, were really thinking of. So, um, yeah. So, and actually, No Sanctuary, you're you're bringing up a really, really good point. Uh, I think they're reinterpreting Lydia in a different way. Like, so what No Sanctuary says, Lydia is so different in the comics. She gets stabbed and doesn't give a fuck in the comics. She's calm. That's why That's why I think she's doing a facade. And it's perfectly. And I, I think that's actually really, really cool because one of the things that I really like about this Lydia is that, like, she's playing this wounded animal. But you do see a little bit of that doesn't give a fuck um, attitude in like uh, the context of that one comment about walls don't walls won't protect you and and it was perfect like Daryl finally got in there and you know and saw a little bit of what the hell she was her her trick was her shtick was and then of course when he hears her um behind the prison prison effectively um he gets like like a scoop like she's letting her guard down in front of henry really telling her name immediately so this promise that he makes to judith which finally gets judith to kind of let him go and he basically says you know not hurting one he i won't hurt anybody even if they're trying to hurt me this is really crazy okay and crazy important because him saying that out loud to judith is kind of like something that's going to be like a tagline for this season for the rest of the season at the very least okay because um it symbolizes this this is basically going to carry throughout the season like I'm kind of interested to see if he does keep that comment, you know, if he does keep that, his word, because, um, well, also, I mean, obviously, look, at the end of the episode, he's going to be going back to the, to Alexandria, back to his cell, right? But I don't think that's going to end up happening. I think something's going to happen, right? So, or if it does, he's not going to be there very long. And, um, yeah, (laughs) I'm sorry about this. Um, yeah, no sanctuary. I thought about that. In the comics, Negan hurts a big character. Um, yeah, so... But that's the thing. Um, he, he, he's going to be basically put to the test when it comes to this idea. So, so I, it sounds like a lot of you uh, don't think he's going to keep his promise. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, yeah, exactly. Does that include the whispers? And it may be that he kind of skirts by on his on his charm alone. I'm just very 
when you do something like that, when scripting does something like that, it's not for nothing. They won't just do it, you know what I mean? They, they won't just do it for him not to try, or at least wrestle with it. And and I think part of what we want out of this Negan, because this Negan is obviously not like the comic book Negan. I mean, the, to a limit, but there's so much more depth. There's so much more nuance. He has a personality, okay? Like, I mean, he has a personality in the comic, granted. But it's not a personality that we can actually connect with. He just be, and it's kind of like a lot of um, villains. They're kind of more archetypes, right? Like the governor's this dick archetype, right? <laughs> in the comics, but in the show, we got to connect with him a little bit. We got to connect with Philip. Um, so, I mean, think about it. Like a Negan that we can connect with already we can see him wrestle with that personality already and now we have an anchor like an like a moral anchor to kind of set us up for the rest of negan for the rest of this whisperer's arc because it, it's it's for sure you say that thing out loud and it's you're here yeah i mean it's going to happen there's going to be a struggle and you're already seeing that struggle sort of take place in the uh, the sanctuary you know he's trying to get back to his old life but he just can't get there it's kind of like he's got um it's like Negan erectile dysfunction. He just can't get there. There's nothing for him to really go on, you know? Not even Big Richie, which I'll talk about in a, in a few. Um, yeah, but that's the thing. Eye in the Dark 2 says he'll kill Whispers, right? I'm not even sure if he'll do that. If he th I mean, unless he doesn't know the Whispers, okay? Um, I, but it would be interesting to see him not do that, you know what I mean? Like he said, I, I won't hurt anybody even if they're trying to hurt me. So, I mean, that's fascinating to me. Like, they're already making big changes to the character, you know? So, uh, I, again, it's a wait and watch scenario, but I think it's something that's worth talking about because this makes, this is, this could possibly make big changes for the Negan character and how he's going to interact with people from going forward, right? Um, yeah, and Nisa, Nisa's right. He didn't really even hurt the dogs. Um, and he really didn't. Okay, I figure, let's talk about this right now. Because um, one of the things, the furores that happened after the episode was, okay, first of all, that caller on Talking Dead, if you watched it, ta um, was like, yo, why Negan got to hate on dogs? And then, like, and like Jeffrey Dean Morgan, like, mortified like he in thinking you know he's talking to him to to Jeffrey Dean and he's like defending himself and then like on the internet like people are blowing up about like not everybody obviously but like there's like a certain group of people that get really bothered by like harming animals i'm just thinking to myself um like what about the people i mean seriously <laughs> so um you know um yeah no sanctuary i have a feeling that he's gonna go gonna turn a good side there's there's a reason he looked like rick wardrobe did that for a reason yeah and i actually even said that i said um i, I actually went a little crazy i said oh my god are we gonna see like a, a a rick and shane but like with rick and negan like him looking like him being him raising his daughter blah 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 are we gonna get a 2.0 of this encounter um uh yeah so anyway um so yeah this whole thing about the dogs though i mean it's just crazy i mean I i'm not really an animal lover i mean ev but even if i was I i'm kind of one of those people that separates okay i love dogs i love people um but you know this is a show a show about mostly people dying and so i'm not gonna lose sleep over oh my god that dog oh, oh my oh my god i'm not i'm just not i mean you shouldn't either right i mean like but it's a cute dog. No, no, don't do it. Don't do it. Um, so, um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, come on. You can, if you can get over people and people that you love, like Glenn and Abraham and 
bloodbath. I mean, you can get over a, an unnamed dog, okay? A, a dog that wants to kill and eat, no matter who it is, okay? It's kind of like a walker, except faster. Um, so get over it. Think of it as a walker and you'll be just fine. Um, exactly, Wani. Exactly. The dogs weren't attacked, too. So, um, yeah. And if anybody has anything against that, that's fine. I'll take your opinions and then I'll be like, no. But then I'll be like, but you're entitled to that opinion. That's fine. Um, but yeah. So the question I kind of wanted to ask also was like, why, why do you think Judith let him go? Do you think it was because of the promise? Do you think it's kind of like, or do you think it's also kind of like, like also um, that Judith knew better. Like she's been out there the last couple of years. She's been out there with the crew. They've been going around. They've been trying to salvage things. But really everything is in Alexandria. The things that they've been finding out there is kind of slim to nil, right? Slim pickings. So, I mean, think about it for a little while. Like, is it because she knows better? Or is it because it's kind of like, you know, oh, he's going to keep his promise. But, you know, it could be both. But, yeah. And Nisa says she seems so, she's seen some goodness in him. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. I think so, too. You know? Yeah, and Walani is saying because she knew he'd be back. See, that kid's smart, though. Yeah. I mean, it could be both things, right? It could be because, like, oh, she just wants him to be happy. You know? Um, Nashville Legan. I think Judith is testing him. At this point, Judith knows him more than anyone. Yeah, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, and he says as much, too. Like, you know me better than anybody else here, you know? So, um, yeah, people agreeing with Alani. I agree with both of you. Um, but, yeah, this whole interaction between Luke and Alden, I, I kind of like the, these, like, dynamic duos, these little um, these little get-togethers. Um, and, like, Luke is so positive while, while Alden is kind of, like, it's like this Laurel and Hardy kind of, I mean, I'm, I'm dating myself, but Laurel, Laurel and Hardy. Um, and, and how Luke keeps bringing back the two man thing, like, like two hand Luke and, uh, and I got two hands and then two man band symphony of awesome. Um, but I just love that little interaction. And, and by the way, have you guys been noticing, um, how cool the walkers have been this season? Like all the different iterations and, and the kind of, I, and we've said this before, but like the focusing on how cool these walkers look. I mean, like the ball and chain walker, um, the walker that uh, on top of a walker, one day they'll have a walker in a walker and it'll be kind of like, um, like alien, but like, you know, and like a head is coming out of a stomach or something like that. Like somebody was shoved into somebody else, but literally into somebody else. Okay. This is getting a little sexual, but anyway, but you get the idea, but Greg Nicotero would do that though, wouldn't he? By the way, in the, have you guys been paying attention to AMC's uh, social media account? And first of all, that Symphony of Awesome thing, uh, like an, like the new album cover, that was really fucking cool. Um, but I just, I'm in love with the um, the Walking Dead comic book Twitter account. It just, their interactions with other people and other like high profile um, Twitter accounts is just priceless. Just not even their regular posts, although they're good too. But if you look at like their replies to certain people and their, and their retweets, they're just hilarious. But but um, they're doing some cool things. And I think even the AMC um, Walking Dead account is doing some really cool um, ad spots on Instagram. And they're really putting the work in, I think. And it's I think it's paid off, too, because that last week leading up to the show, their their ad campaign on TV and on, on the Internet was awesome. Awesome. Um, yeah. Oh, I'm so glad you guys got to see um, Thorgon's uh, live chat. That's really great. Oh. And I saw some of you. I saw um, um, Cosmo Mom do some ASL on her Instagram too, which is great. So if you, uh, I think it's Cosmo mom nine. If you go to her account, she has, uh, some, uh, she's doing some sign language on, uh, her, uh, on one of her posts, you know, and she does some really good art too. So if you check her out, it's, uh, it's really great. Um, 
Uh, she's actually also entering the uh, fan art contest too, but with a bunch of other artists that we know and love, of course, obviously. Um, uh, then we get kind of get kind of a like an intimate moment between Daryl and Michonne, and with that clip and also what. Um, with Norman Rita says on Talking Dead, you start to get the idea of some of the things that, you know, that we talked about um, prior to the season, the mid-season finale. But we also, uh, between this and that, this information and, and what we talked about, I mean, you start to get a really big picture of what they've been through. And it looks as though they, more than anybody else, knows how dangerous strangers can be. Like, I think we already knew that, but with Rick trying to invite more people in and try to and trying to be the way they used to be asking the three questions um that and then you have this other group that must have come in this is what we were talking about before the riders theory um with angus Sampson in that sneak peek into 9b um so you've got them how much hilltop was afraid of the riders which like why would they be so afraid of and so like just really absolutely fearful of them um and then finding out it was michonne but still um so there's that whole factor but something that they did. And then, so I, I think there's an amalgam of, of that concept, but also where's Oceanside, right? What line did they have to cross? I mean, there was a small mention of Oceanside's gear being used by Jeb and the Savior Marauders um, in the, um, I think it was the season, mid-season finale, where Carol just ends up born, burning them all down. But they mentioned that they used some of their weapons, like the harpoon. So you've got... um. You've got these things. Now, they could be mutually exclusive, the, you know, whatever's happening with Oceanside, because we have not seen any of those characters. We know that they caused, they they actually fired the first shot at Bridge Camp when things went south, because um, Carol was looking at them and saying to Oceanside, no, and then boom. So there's a lot going on here. Um, what was the line that Daryl and Michonne crossed, right? And did it have anything to do with the riders at all? And where's Oceanside? So these are kind of questions, right? Now, yeah, Michelle actually says, I thought they were all killed. Actually, we don't know. Uh, nobody said that they were. In fact, like one of the two, the two runts at uh, Hilltop. Uh, so you have Addie and the two, two kids whom I don't remember. Like I remember Addie, but I don't remember the two kids' names um, that hung out with Henry. Now, the two kids seem to be under the impression that like, oh, hey, I hear Oceanside is like a... Uh, um, is like a, a community of all women. I, I guess I can get in on that. And and but like nobody says anything about like oh shame that they all died. So you know, I like Miss 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 Mazel's uh, answer. X marks the truth. That's perfect. Yes, you should like put an Instagram post and then we should put a hashtag X marks the truth. So that's perfect. And there's two of them. So there's two truths and a lie. Yeah, okay, that's a good question. Um, no sanctuary. Oceanside killed the saviors. The saviors had their gear. Think, I think Jeb lied about finding the gear. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's a really good question. It really is. Like, if they didn't... Okay, so, and Yvette says, I don't think they all died. Um, but if they haven't, what happened, right? You know, what did they, what did they do or not do, you know? So, um... Yeah, it kind of begs the question because they've been and and whatever Angela King is doing is brilliant. They're they're kind of like leaving. Okay, take this and move this aside, and then we won't bring it up again for a while. So people kind of forget about it. Even like you, if you if you've forgotten about it, they, they can come up from right behind and like surprise you with it. But if you've been thinking about it, 
oh, now you're going to be thinking about it for several episodes. Um, exactly, Yvette. I don't think we're going to find out, but not right. I think we're going to find out, but not right away. And I think it's the same thing with the X marks the spot truths, you know? I think it's going to be one of those things that we, we're not going to be finding out right away. I don't think we're going to find out until maybe midway into this um, season finale, season 9B. Because I think it's going to come up at a crucial point, or maybe a terrible point between them and the Whispers. And I think it, whatever happened in the past is going to have an opportunity to repeat itself in the present. Um, and actually, speaking of that, I kind of wanted to bring up um, something crucial that I noticed when I rewatched. Like, okay, um, I got to my TV in the um, just before episode 909 aired, and I saw some of the episodes prior. I'm eating my ice cream. And then Luke, I, I get to the scene where Luke launches into what, what the difference is between Neanderthals and, you know, what, be, what eventually became modern humans. And he, he mentions that it was cooperation, it was storytelling, it was music, you know, it was art, it was beauty. Um, and that's what differentiated, and that's what got us together as communities. It, it's what helped build us, it, help, it helped us work together, helped us cooperate, right? And I think that's going to be the central theme to... Um, I think that is going to be part of how they end up defeating the Whispers is is through community, is through participation, participation, uh, teamwork. Um, So I think that's a little bit part of that. (laughs) Everybody wants to know the ice cream that I was eating. It was was a bunch. It was four different flavors. Just don't ask. I love ice cream. I, I think sometimes sometimes the show will drop hints as to what the solution will be at episodes way prior. Um, and then though that theme is going to come up again. And it's going to be the thing that, that ends up helping solve the problem. It's kind of like what, um, kind of sort of what Carl was trying to do. What they were trying to do with Carl's flash forward is, you know, this vision of the future. And, and Rick latching onto that and disregarding it until right at, right at the end. Even after he sl- uh, slits um, Negan's throat. It's the idea that, no, you get to live on and watch us prosper. And he did. And Negan did. And I was thinking of another thing that would come up later, but I think that's between um, Luke's idea of community and, and what the difference is between savages and, like, you know, people that end up winning out in in time. And then dropping the idea of Oceanside and, and the secret, you know. Those two things are going to are gonna be kind of, like, revolving themes that kind of um, make up what will play out in the rest of the season or the rest of the arc, even. Um, yeah, and, and Yvette, I'm with you. Uh, I don't think they're... She says, I don't think they're going to co- all come together, too but with tensions like always maybe not though maybe it'll surprise us and go totally different way it 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 remains to be seen because i I think i think i think what a show can end up doing is bring up the theme but then uh bring up a downfall and then find another way to get to that sort of i mean because a lot of what we consider community and cooperation end up being taking on different forms like um like the idea of bringing the communities together and now and it's kind of what i was going to bring up just now with aaron like aaron right now he was all on board with the with the fair he's trying to get hilltop and alexandria together because those two would just not the kingdom was down with either of them uh kingdom and hilltop were down um but alexandria would just did not want to get involved and aaron is technically from alexandria now um but now we're starting to see him as they're bringing jesus back that um we're starting to see that Aaron is pulling back. He's like, you were right. You know, it's, it's not right for us to kind of, you know, leave our own walls. And, and he mentions this again later on the episode and I'll get to that. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's him now. Um, when Yumiko was mentioning that, you know, 
he seemed like one of the good guys and Aaron chimes in that he was. Um, one of the things I noticed that Aaron did, and it was kind of like a, a show of his wisdom, it's kind of like, do you remember when Rick was over his um, sick bed just after they amputated his arm? Um, one of the things I noticed about Aaron is that he didn't blame Rick. You know, he, he said, are you kidding me? I don't think I would have gotten here even this far if it wasn't for you. Um, it, this arm, this is nothing. You know, this is, this is just what happens. This is just the world we live in. But I wouldn't even be in this good spot with you if it wasn't for... Now, and when you see that dialogue between him, Yumiko, and Magna, I thought of that and I was thinking, you know, Aaron is showing some real wisdom and especially what happened happened after Carl, you know, what got Carl dead was um was just a bite. You know, so so he's saying anything can happen out here. Anything. Um so there is a little wisdom in what he says, but I do think there's a little bit of fear too. Like he's genuinely afraid, you know. He's a really really great genuine person like like no sanctuary saying is because Aaron is an amazing person, but not only that, he's he's a smart person too. He he appreciates, you know, he he looks at the big picture, and he he technically always has, and even if he's looking at the big picture and. and it says we shouldn't let people in, but he's like, no, um, if we let more in more people, we are stronger as a community. You know, we let in the good people, particularly, and it doesn't hurt to have Daryl Dixon have your back, if you know what I mean. Um, some of you don't want to know what I mean, but that's, that's fine. That's a, that's a different conversation that I won't bring up. <clears throat> um, yeah, and uh, I in the Dark too. Oceanside did cause everything to go down the way they did. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's some interesting... She, she said basically Michonne would blame them for Rick's death. So I feel like if she found out that she, she'd go after them, just a thought. I mean, it's a good thought. I mean, I don't know if she'd go that dark. I think she was really, really upset. I don't think we saw what happened afterwards with her, so we don't really know what she did. Uh, and, I mean, in terms of doing something dark, would that... Would she have done that though? I think she would have done something dark. She would cross certain lines to protect people, not to seek vengeance though. I would see that, you know? <laughs> Thorgon says they have to stop reading my Walker tips. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, we, we're, we're just plagiarizing. This, I mean, Angela King is just basically plagiarizing you, Thorgon 9. Yeah. Um, oh, we're going to start going that route. Can we all agree Magna looks hot as fuck with her coat and tats? Um, this is Miss, Miss Mazel. <laughs> oh, I love this chat. Let's talk about something. Eugene, okay. So many of so many of you guys are from so many different parts of the world, okay? Some more common than others, but Eugene, okay? I had to have subtitles on to understand what he frickin' said, okay? Is anybody in the same boat as me? Because I got the idea of what he was saying. He was kind of using a KFC reference. But at the same time, did you know that... I, it, he literally said the living kind or original recipe. I thought he said 11 pound. I'm like, what is 11 pound? Um, but funny as fuck. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, so I'm the dark too. There's a part in the trailer of a flashback of Michonne. It looks scary. It looks, it's like she lost it. Like actually you saw some of those scenes kind of in the, in the graveyard too. If you paid attention to it. Um, I think part of that is actually killing people again. Uh, it's been a while since she's had to kill literal people up close and personal that wasn't wasn't a walker. Um, so it's yeah, I, I could see that being unnerving. Um, but yeah, I mean, no, I, I don't dislike Eugene, by the way. Um, I, I, I know he's mumbly, but I, at the same time, I, I love the character. When I know what he's saying, I love it. Um, <laughs> uh, okay, so um, no sanctuary. I'll, I'll be sure to watch with you so I can ping you while we're, while we're watching the show and annoy you to hell so you can't pay attention um, so I can understand what Eugene says. <laughs> um, 
but uh, yeah so um yeah okay so another thing that actually and i didn't know that talking dead brought it up but i was when i was doing my notes for the show um i noticed that um i noticed like that that his fir- negan's first interaction with walkers again was uh was kind of interesting i mean you have to consider the fact that negan has not um seen walkers in the last six years he's been safe he's been fed he's been read to he's been talked to by judith mostly um i mean i thought it was really really cool that negan was kind of off kilter when it came to killing walkers again like that you can see him come back and obviously he knows how to do it but like it's like he's still not fully aware of the world that he's like stumbling into this this and it's not a new world it's just him being reinserted into it after being away from the danger so long um <laughs> no sanctuary imagine the walkers go away and no one told negan <laughs> like, there's nothing out there for you <laughs> not even walkers Sure, why not? That'd be great. I mean, that'd be like the worst. Like, is that better or worse, though, for him? You know what I mean? Like, there really is nothing, nothing. Like, there's nothing to fight for anymore. Um, It's like he's taking his baby steps. It's really great. Um, (laughs) Okay, I have to address this comment. Nashville Negan says, Now, I know this is going to sound completely nuts, but what if RJ is Daryl's kid? I get weird thoughts. (laughs) Um, I don't know. Maybe that's the dark secret. Maybe that's the line he shouldn't have crossed. Maybe Rick has to fight Daryl now. I got you, brother. Wink, wink. <laughs> uh, so getting back on track. It's never going to happen. Um, oh, yeah. So, and then we got to talk about that scene um, where uh, Negan gets sick after trying to drink from the stream. Because after he, he deals with the two walkers, uh, the one near the van and the one in the back of the truck, one of the things that he does is um <clears throat> one of the things that um that Negan does is um he loses his bag of of provisions because that walker kind of dragged himself all over him so they're kind of gross and not edible so he tries to drink from a stream he stumbles into a, an open field and as we all know that open field is um it's the exact same shot the overhead shot of where uh glenn and abraham bit it in front of all the other guys and um i i knew it right when i saw it i'm like that looks oh it is and and so when they uh they finally uh posted when they finally talked about the easter egg i'm like ah oh, validation it's that's great and um but like yeah it it's somber and it's the idea of him on his knees getting sick now a lot of people were saying how oh he got sick because he saw um because that was the spot and he recognizes like no that's none of that negan just got sick from drinking from a a foul stream okay um it's it's nothing to do with um poetic justice or anything like that i mean there there is poetic license i mean it's there there's like a weird juxtaposition of him being on his knees poetically but um but it, it really is it's just because he got sick i mean but the thing where the poetry kind of fits into the episode is not really that it really is not really like regret you know or or some sort of karmic justice it really is it does have to do with him i, I was thinking about this as the episode went on and i was starting to take notes is that it's n- it's not really to do with that but it has something to do with um when you finally get to the, to the sanctuary you realize what the savior's model was built on okay and part of what the savior's model was built on was we take what we want it was something that the, one of the lieutenants says we take what we want we give nothing back and so their model was basically you know we take half your shit we don't do anything really we don't farm we don't produce anything we just take and and so you start to realize that negan could have had more of a, an appreciation for what hilltop but moreover what rick's group was doing hilltop hat was behind walls okay 
Um, but uh, Rick pre-Alexandria was all out in the wild. Okay, they were surviving. They were they were trying to do what they could out in the open. They finally had walls in the prison that fell. Terminus, that was a disaster. Um, and every time they tried to find sanctuary, they found out they had no sanctuary. Where are you, buddy? There you are. <laughs> so um, the idea of, I think Negan's going through it. Like he's, I think, I don't think he, I don't know if he's realizing this, that, that the saviors were built on nothing, like no foundation. I mean, the only foundation was him, his will, you know, and when he wasn't around, they started to fall apart. We saw that in season eight. So, and, and proof positive when, when the saviors tried to live in Rick's new world order, they just couldn't hack it. They didn't have the skills. They didn't have the, the resources. They weren't, the, the sanctuary was just not the right structure or area to live in, to be able to move, uh, to be able to live in that kind of paradigm. So when you, when you start to see Negan get sick in the clearing, and when you start to see him try to survive without those provisions that he'd taken from Alexandria before he left, and when he gets to the sanctuary, and when you see it's in shambles, and when you, when you start to realize that when he gets to the sanctuary and he's, he's near the doors and you get that overhead shot, which is really important, the one thing you notice... Um, and Milani, it's not that their people were lazy. It's just that they were, um, I mean, there's no better word than saying like, I mean, they were privileged, you know, because of Negan's system, they didn't have to do anything for themselves. So it's not their fault, really. I mean, actually, if they tried to do something for them for themselves, um, they probably couldn't do it. You know what I mean? They probably wouldn't be able to, to do for themselves. Like Negan probably would have shut that shit down. Okay. So when you see the overhead shot right before he gets through the door, like what they tried to, to uses like little um uh little crop uh bins you know where they tried to grow cops it, they look like grave markers you know so it, it's just it's it's like this is where they this is where the saviors died and this is where they literally died the whole point being is that like i mean if he he probably does maybe realize this and and at least by the end if not earlier is that the like the saviors weren't really predicated on a solid foundation. They really didn't have that. You know, there was no backup plan to taking from others. You know, they figured, oh, everybody else will do it and we'll get by. But I guess it doesn't work like that. You know, and I think he's realizing the hard way that there's nothing out there. Oh, and this is something I, I found out, I found kind of interesting at the, at the last minute. Okay, you see Negan um, shot for shot. You know, I mean, you saw a lot of the Instagram posts where um, you see the, the shot for shot comparisons between Negan at, this, at the sanctuary pre, you know, during all that war. And then you see him in the sanctuary post, you know, him getting out of Alexandra's jail. And you see that shot for shot, right? And so you start to realize that, oh, this isn't exactly at all how I imagined it would be when I returned. Um, but you get to that one of those scenes, and this is right before the whole Big Richie thing. They go right back to Jesus and, and how they're burying him. And you see how every single person is banging in the nail. And I'll get to that part in a second. Um, but the idea that here's Negan with nothing. He thought that he would be remembered uh, fondly, like a legend. And in fact, like before they, um, while Negan was in jail and before Rick departed the show, people were like, you know, uh, we are we are still Negan. Like people writing things on the wall, and half of them were kind of with, you know, still with him, right? Now um, you get to the scene with Jesus, and they're burying a good man. Um, and then they, you go right from Negan realizing all is lost. There's nothing here for me. And you go right to Jesus, and you have everybody revering him. He was a good man. He ruled. He um, he guided the town um, with kindness. He he didn't even want to lead 
Meanwhile, like Negan wanted to lead. He was in it for leading, for power. Uh, Jesus was not in it for power, kind of like the real Jesus. And if you want to talk about nails, um, it was four different people driving four different nails. So you uh, dot the I's and cross the T's on this one. A little, a little literal on the Jesus. And AMC The Walking Dead won 100%. People feel bad for Negan, but Negan deserved it. I'm like, he deserves a reality check. People lived, lived a cruel life because of him. And that's a really, really good point. I mean, it, granted, it is six years later, but six years is paltry compared to the lives he's ended. I mean, and to be fair, also further, everybody on that show's done something. <laughs> so, I mean, Rick's crew, and this is something Carol brings up a lot, my co-host. Um, one of many co-hosts. Ah. Um is that uh, Rick's crew uh, murdered an entire station. Everybody's done something. Um, but I just like the, the scenes between... Uh, the, the scene right right before... Uh, the scenes with Negan right before they bury Jesus. That's important. That transition shows the difference between a man who thought he would be remembered and a man who didn't really think about being remembered and then how he was remembered and not the former, you know? So I think that's, that's key. That's crucial. Because I think at some point... Um, I mean, Negan's going to want to be remembered by at least like his friend Judith, you know, and, and, and this idea of the promise and the idea of these are things that, that are going to tug. And the, by the way, the real test of this Negan, this newfound Negan is when he finds Lucille. That's when we're going to see a real test. That's when we're going to see the pull. That's when we're going to see whether he keeps his promise. So buckle up kiddos. It's going to be a bumpy ride. Um, now, Nashville Negan says, and of, of all people, hopefully Negan is reborn. And that's the thing, right? Um, that's that's going to be really interesting because they're throwing in like, I mean, Judith obviously is not in the comic. So they're throwing in a lot of lines that we don't really, they're throwing like some dialogue that is kind of gratuitous. Like, wow, this is a little extra. So this is going to throw a little extra pull when it comes to Negan, when, when he gets offered the fruit of like... Uh, of of like having a Lucille, having this, have encountering the whispers, which whom he he goes into cahoots with, right? So it may be true that he doesn't harm a single person still, even whispers. But then there's going to come a point where he's going to have to choose: is he going to choose the Negan with the bat, or is he going to choose to? And, and 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 I mean, obviously we know he kills Alpha, right? So right, uh, I didn't spoil it for anybody. This is in the comic. But how he gets to that point, and maybe he asks for Judith's permission. Maybe she's right there. She's going, "Can I? Can I kill her? Can I? Can I get this one? Can I get this one? Yeah, can I get her?" And she'd be like, "I don't care. Yeah, go ahead. Maybe. <laughs> I can kind of see it, and I think it's kind of hilarious. Um, but it'd be kind of like a sitcom. It'd be like Perfect Strangers. Oh my God, Perfect Strangers. Who's the Balky? Yeah, it's definitely Negan. Um, yeah, Nisa, Nisa's saying he's going to prove himself like in the comics. Yeah, I mean, I hope so. I, I just, I think it's going to be, it's going to come out a different way. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, Nashville Negan's saying it's almost like Judith is a guardian angel in a way for him. And I wonder how that translates to screen. Like, no kidding, right? Um, the yeah, AMC Walking Dead uh, one, uh, that's true, but Negan smashed two guys' heads in in front of their people. Rick just went in and shot them because he, we learned from Jesus these people took what they had. Yeah, and it, it's going to be interesting because we haven't seen those scenes yet. So I, I don't know how it's going to play out, especially with this promise thing. It, it's, who knows? Um, yeah, so No Sanctuary, this is my point, actually. Uh, no Sanctuary says Negan's facade is important to him. He was going to give the same treatment to Rick's group that he gives to all groups, even though they killed the station and those ladies. But one punch by Glenn. 
Yeah, so like the thing with the whispers is I think Negan is going to rely on that facade instead of like any so- form of violence to kind of get him through that situation. Like he's going to be a tough guy, he's going to beat people up. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. But maybe he can get by on his on his charm alone. I don't know. This could be a very interesting challenge for the writers to kind of execute in the show. Yeah. And Nisa's right. I mean, I, it, it's going to be totally different the way Alpha goes down by Negan's hands, but it's going to be happening. Um, uh, uh, Carlin, I'm going to say Carlin, um, uh, Judith's boss, now he loves her. Yeah, I mean, think about it. She's the boss. Uh, so... And okay, everybody, did you catch the store, the name of the store that Negan goes into um, to get those provisions? Um, the name of the store, Express Yourself Menswear, Become become the Man You Were Meant to Be. I mean, talk about a, a storefront that kind of fucks with you, right? <laughs> so what is that supposed to mean? What, what am I supposed to be? And like, that's like the first question I, I ask basically to myself. I'm like, what kind of man is Negan meant to be right now, especially in the show, like with what they're throwing out there with his promise to Judith and stuff like that. But yeah, what kind of man is Negan meant to be? Um, and, and that, and that's really the key question is, I think that's what's really going to fuck with him right uh uh so amc the walking dead one um do you think negan knows rick is dead i think he knows i think he knows and we'll get to that i because i know where you're going with this i know i know what you're doing because yeah i i've been reading a lot on the internet and i didn't know that people was holding big richie in such big regard in such high regard Uh people um i thought i looked into the walking dead too much apparently there's a level lower than me um and i did that i did not know about um so yeah what kind of man is negan meant to be um but there's when the dogs walk in um uh, when the dogs walk in they well they do um the pack of dogs that are growling at negan um one of the thing i mean you you are going to start to notice this a lot more because fear the walking did did, did, did this actually first when John Dory and um, Strand were stuck on that little um, island out in the river, the uh, the overflowing river, um, one of the things that they noticed was the grackle right from the beginning of that episode. They were kind of not being afraid of them, and instead of traveling in in um, in flocks, they they're kind of out on their own and they're not afraid of people, and so they're squawking, they're they're calling all day long. And they're like attracting walkers and stuff like that. And they're scavenging and they're, you know, they're just, they're not afraid of people enough to kind of get their stuff. And you see that again in the beginning of season nine, where you have the, the crows basically disturbing crops. They don't even care that walkers are there. They're trying to use anything. Like, do you remember when they they brought, when they strung up the walker to try to keep birds away from the crops? It barely kept them away. Um, And now you're seeing that with dogs and, you know, packs of dogs, basically. And now we saw this before in the series, but like, um, now we're talking about like relatively small dogs you know attacking people um exactly three dogs to be exact um uh and so i mean we're gonna see this a lot more with other animals i think too by the way because i think they're gonna keep bring they're gonna keep upping the ante like the walkers are not the only danger out in the world okay so nashville negan is saying i think negan will have lucille when fighting the whisperers uh, i certainly hope so and that will be the crossroad moment for him moving forward and and that's and that's kind of what I'm saying. I think I think um, it's going to determine whether he keeps his promise. And if he doesn't, how is that going to translate? What is going to happen? How is that going to affect his and Judith's relationship? Or will she ever know? Or will she never know? It's a good question. I mean, what's even going to happen in the next episode? Because we know that he's not going to end up being back in jail. And if he does, head to jail the, in Alexandria. 
is he gonna stay there? So there's that question. Yo, what if Negan Lucille's alpha? <laughs> Thanks, no sanctuary. Um, uh, Nice is basically saying he 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 will have Lucille and know it. Um, <laughs> okay, all right, all right. I mean, that's I I don't doubt the fact that he's gonna find him himself suddenly with Lucille. The question is what he does with it, or how he interacts with the world as a result of having it maybe it completely changes his attitude maybe this like totem of of who he once was brings him back to a state that's unrecognizable to judith completely it's a good point um yeah i mean a lot of you guys are bringing up stuff that's going to be in the comic book but what i'm saying is that there's a little bit of a divergence and it's worth paying attention to because don't be shocked if it doesn't come out the way it does in the comic because as we've seen this episode um rosita is with everybody but eugene and that's not that that's saying that's a big deal but like it's like i'm gonna be with this guy that guy that guy and that guy before i'm even gonna think about being with eugene (laughs) so i know it's not even a big deal but still I, i think it's worth noting you know Still pregnant, but anyway, <laughs> Yvette, maybe he's going to make his shovel the new Lucille. I think, I think he's going to find the actual Lucille. Um, I don't know if how he's going to find it, because that's pretty crazy. Um, and, and no sanctuary. What if he becomes an average Joe and he builds a house, uses Lucille as a hammer? Maybe. He could use it as a tool. Maybe it's, it keeps his promise to Judith. Wouldn't make for a very great show, though. I mean, I don't see him uh, throwing on a show on HGTV um, called Lucille and Me. <laughs> I don't think so. Um, there are a couple things about Lydia that's very interesting. Is that at first she's not telling the truth about anything, any fucking thing. Okay, um, so it's kind of like you're you're going through Lydia's spiel and you're trying to figure out what's true and what's not true. Um, and there are some questions that I could ask that are like, are they true or are they not true? Um, she says everybody that would have been alive from her group is now dead. Okay, not true. Um, all we wanted to do was live wearing walker masks. Not true. Not completely true. Um, we don't have names. Kinda true. Um, and, like, one of the things I noticed, like, she must have been trained, obviously. Like, you know, she's really, really good at, at, like, pretending to be this wounded animal. Um, or this, like, this helpless girl. Um, and she must have been trained that way from Alpha. Like, uh, and through her experience, that, like, don't trust people. Like, the only way to be in this world is to, is to kill first you know, and, and st- stick to your family. And maybe she learned to be that good because of the rape that was happening on the camp, but also Alpha's her mother, so. Um, but, like, if it had it not been for her stumbling upon this group, can you imagine how many groups might have ended because of Lydia, specifically? Like, a Trojan horse like her? I mean, I think that's exactly why, like, later on, she kind of breaks and says, you just, you don't have a chance, you don't stand a chance. Like, she, she basically says, she's, like, basically admitting, I've taken down more camps, and like yours, you know? So, yeah, you guys are basically saying what I'm about to say, too. <laughs> Um, and then we get to the whole scene with Eugene, Sadiq, Rosita, Gabriel, the love square. Um, the love, love quintuplets. Rosita's with Gabriel, but pregnant with Sadiq, had a fling with Spencer, constant thing with Abraham, and Eugene is in love with her, and she doesn't want him back. 
Um, the thing I like about that the most, by the way, guys, is that they're like, they're fucking with the comics fans completely. Like, first of all, the Eugene is not the Eugene. Um, they're not together. Um, but I think there's also like a, like a dual role in, in fucking with the fans, the comics fans. I just love it. Um, and that, that's the other part of it is kind of like, um, there's a lot more like, I mean, I'm not to spout like, um, feminism or anything like that. No, no. And Nisa, I'm not calling her that. Actually, I think it's a really good, um, opportunity for a female empowerment. Like for real. Okay. I'm going to tell you a personal story. And, and this is this is kind of like a match made in heaven. Um, back in 2007, I was looking for a new place to live. And um, I just moved back from Chicago. And um, a, fr- a buddy of mine dated this girl and they broke up. And um, I-, I had met her right beforehand and then they broke up, but we became friends. And like um, when I was looking for places to live, uh, this is like the MySpace days. And she put up a bulletin up and I'm like, well, it's funny, you need a roommate. I need a place to live. Let's live together. And so when we lived together... Um, we would go out. I, I made friends with her friends. She made friends with mine. We all hung out together. And dude, by the way, she got mad game. Like when me and, and her two other friends were like just trying to pick up chicks at the bar, you know, how we do. She was getting game like every single time we went out. Now, one of her friends, her best friends, I will not name names, um, but I've mentioned his name on the show before. Um, it was a different time. Um, he would kind of like slut shame her. And I was kind of like, dude, you're looking at this all wrong. <laughs> First of all, we're all friends. Even though your friend is a girl, if your friend that was a guy was getting some, you'd be like, dude, aces. You know, maybe you'd be a little bit sad for yourself, but like, um, dude, um, your friend is getting some. You should be happy. And like, I get to, I, I, well, sadly for me in our thin walls, uh, I get to come home with her and get to hear her have sex through the walls. But not bad. Like I would, I'd be like virtually like high fiving her in the other room. Like you, you get some girl. You, you're getting some. God damn, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> I mean, I'm not proud of you. Maybe that's not the right word. It's more like I'm, I'm a good friend with you, and you got some, and I'm here alone trying to sleep. So that's how it goes. So I think you need things like that out there to kind of challenge people's perceptions, you know? And if, I guess maybe, maybe if I didn't have those experiences, maybe I'd be a slut shamer too, but I'm probably not, you know? So, in Yvette, I do, I want Eugene to find true love too. I mean, and that's the thing, I, I think Eugene has come so far. I mean, you see signs of him not coming far enough, but truly, like, the Eugene of, that we met in the beginning is not the same Eugene we've, we're seeing now. Like... The fact that he hasn't passed out from pain from from having his knee dislocated or whatever it is, more power to him. You know, I was pretty proud of him. AMC The Walking Dead 1 says, another question, do you think Henry dies? That would change the Lydia's love arc a lot. Um, good point. Because, uh, as you may or may not know, we predict Henry's on a pike at the end of the season. Um, part of that prediction is, I think, predicated on the fact that we thought, I think initially at least, that Carol would be alive to take revenge. But now I'm even starting to think, of course, Ezekiel's on the pike, right? But now I'm starting to think that Carol might end up on the pike instead of Ezekiel and how does it change the dynamic and I know we've heard news about um Kari Payton leaving the show but I think that's still a rumor I think um the rumors of him exiting are not confirmed by anybody by the way they're like they're saying a source confident to the show but I don't think that has any legs add to the fact that a lot of the times they will film 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 and they filmed a lot of dummy scenes last um half of the season by the way which made people think certain things about Maggie dying, by the way. Do you remember? Okay. Do you know TWD True Facts? They posted the video of, of Maggie's death scene. Didn't happen. 
didn't happen. I didn't watch it, but it didn't happen. So, uh, interesting. No, but I mean, I don't want Carol to die, <laughs> uh, Nisa. I mean, but I mean, if she did die, that would be huge. People would be riding in the streets, but they'd also be riding on the show. I mean, think of how Daryl would feel about his, his basically his kind of like mama bear. I mean, he's, it's, it's his mom. Like, I mean, I know people ship them, but like, he gets her approval for everything. You know, he runs things by her, you know? So anyway... Yeah, I mean, no sanctuary, I'm with you. If Ezekiel and Henry get piked, she'll have lost two husbands, a boyfriend, and five blonde kids. Yeah, and all from the same family, too. The Lintz family. So, yeah, but that's the thing. Like, it, for Ezekiel to die, it's it's like that. And that's why I was, like, cringing when Ezekiel is um, proposing to her. I'm like, this is only going to end badly. But if it's Carol that goes, then then the narrative, the thing that we expect switches up. Um, and Carol was supposed to be gone way in the beginning. She was supposed to be a completely different person. Um, and she ends up being who she is now, which is incredible. I mean, she's, like, one of my favorite uh characters on the show um but yeah i mean look i'm with you guys i i don't want her to go but i think in a narrative sense to flip the script it's a lot better than the torture porn like to see carol suffer over and over losing people she loves i mean i almost lost it when she lost henry and the fact that she found him is it puts henry in such a position that like he's a symbol of hope and losing him now would really suck and carol to stay alive after that it doesn't make sense so I'll put it this way. If Henry if Henry doesn't end up on the pike, Carol is safe, in my opinion. Uh, and you lose Ezekiel and you're fine. But if Henry does end up being on the pike, I mean, that's just the ultimate cruelty. That There's nothing crueler than that. To have her keep losing people. After, after like, resolving to kind of try this. And again, try again and again. You know? Losing herself. Like Morgan, at one point. So... You know, I mean, we have to be real about that. You know, you can't as much as we want somebody to be around. I mean, we can't keep watching them suffer and suffer and suffer. It just doesn't make um, like narrative sense. So not saying that I wanted to go, but I'm saying that they have to really script this well. I mean, or at least spare Henry. Right. Right. I think we're on the same page on this. Um, yeah, we're, we're all being honest, you know? I'm not saying I want this to happen either, so. Yeah, so Henry confides in Daryl saying, um, you know, he says, I'm just trying to find my pace. This is like after Daryl takes him out to get some air, after he's, uh, divulging a little too much, or starting to talk to Lydia, I think. But yeah, he's just trying to find his place. And I think ne- uh, Negan, I think Daryl and Henry are trying to find their place too. Like, Daryl's trying to find his footing. Like, he was out on his own, and all of a sudden, he's involved in this thing. Like, what if he just doesn't want to be involved still, you know? So, yeah. Um, oh, you know what, Carlin? Um, you're right. He, Carol did sign a three-year three year deal, too. So it can't be her. Damn it. That's a good point. Although, I, I don't know what that means in the long run, but uh, I, guess it, I guess it must be that she's still around. Mm, that's a good point. Thank you for reminding me. I, I even said it on the show, so, pff, you know, go figure. Um, and Ian, and Miss Miss Mazel, nobody wants her to return into Weak Carol, and and she's never going to be Weak Carol. I'm I'm just saying, like, just in terms of the Carol that we know, it's just tough to watch her lose Henry and Ezekiel. Like, if it was maybe just Ezekiel or maybe just Henry, I mean, but I I think that would be hard enough for her. But anyway, um, yeah, Michelle, good point, but not Michonne. Okay, guys, one thing when ne- when Negan gets to the sanctuary and they get to the scene where he knocks down that wall and they f- and we find 
find that he has a, a motorbike. Um, did you guys find that at all strange in any way at all? Nobody? Um, do you know what the implications are of that, by the way? <laughs> by the way, Wolani, um, you're a, a Carol shipper, right? Um, yeah, I mean, most people are. I mean, I, I, I honestly still don't see why people are, are Daryl and Carol shippers. Only because, I mean, after, like, that one scene, um, like, just before Grady's hospital, like, you start to realize that that's not going to happen. I mean, there's nothing, like, we're talking about seasons ago, where that's been evidence that she, that she just treats him like somebody, that two people that care for each other. But I'm not criticizing, I'm just saying, I, if the evidence was there, I'd be down. No, I'm not talking about the bike, the bike itself. I'm talking about the fact that it was behind a drywall um, all these years. Then he knew about it only. The that idea of of like him doing that. And by the way, the cans were all rotten and swollen and like I mean d just disgusting. I mean the implications of that is that he had a contingency in case his bullshit kind of um, didn't work. Like he had an escape plan. Like. I mean, that's the type of person he is. Like, you get this little bit extra uh, of who the kind of person he is. And in some ways, it's kind of like, I'm looking out for myself. Like, it's not about saving people at the end of the day. <laughs> so, I just find that really fascinating that that's a factor. I mean, we always thought that Negan was kind of the, looking out for himself only. But, um, but the idea of him actually having something to kind of back up. You know, to like, uh, to be able to like, a backup contingency plan. To see it is kind of like, and to have it, to nobody of having had found it too, was just a whole other thing. And the fact that it had gas too, if you remember like gas was an issue. Right, exactly, uh, Michelle. That's, it's pretty interesting. <laughs> and Walani, sorry, I missed your comment about Carol's track record with children is not so good. Um, yeah, true. Um... So, and now we get to the Big Richie scene. And by the way, if, uh, AMC The Walking Dead 1, we're going to be in sync on this one. Because, I mean, it, and I'm not really down with the idea that, um, that Negan thinks this is that Big Richie is Rick. But a lot, I read this thing where, like, in two different articles from the same author, and I can't remember exactly where. But, like, really, like, like up playing this kind of, like, walker who apparently was Big Richie, whom we've never met before, that Negan seems to kind of put stock in. Like, this dude was uh, was writing this article. Um, I'm not criticizing it at all. I mean, I'm kind of impressed that he puts this guy, Big Richie, on a pedestal and tries to figure out who he is and what his significance is. I'm kind of impressed with that. But, um, yeah, loyal to the end, right? But I'm just thinking to myself, like, he goes as far as to say, like, Big Richie, Rick. But there was something that he didn't write about that I caught in that um, when he sees Big Richie, he says, uh, right before he um, like w starts to walk away from him, he says, and he's just finished like demolishing the other walkers in the, um, in the courtyard, he says to Big Richie, he says, I really thought we had something special going on here. Now, if you remember, he said something very similar to Carl uh, at the walls of Alexandria just before they, they bombed them with mortars. So I, I just thought that that was interesting to me. Like, and I think he said something to, similar to Rick himself. So maybe, maybe, maybe. Mm. Um, no, and in Eye in the Dark 2, I don't think that was, Negan thought he was Rick at all. But I think there is something poetic about using those words that I just mentioned. So... Mm. Poetry, yes. It's kind of like the when Negan threw up. Poetry, yes. N literally, no. Um, so, um, but yeah, the whole idea of Big Richie being, okay, this is my last, I I'm going to leave you alive because, you know, just to honor you, this is my last, there's nothing for me here. But um, 
he doesn't even live leave Big Richie in the courtyard or whatever it was, the backyard, the common area, whatever it is. He uh, he brings Richie. He allows Ricky Richie to walk in. He doesn't drag him or doesn't push him inside. He opens the door, waits for Big Richie to come in. He waits till he's you know uh, like yeah, you know thirty feet, forty feet inside the sanctuary, the sanctuary, and then he finally takes down Big Richie. So and I guess it's kind of like to honor his old life maybe i don't know but i think um the symbolism is kind of rife it's kind of like well if 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 it's going to die i mean the vestiges of that loyalty are going to die here you know and it's going to die with this walker so yeah exactly no sanctuary i thought we were having a little moment you little asshole Um, okay, I want to bring up one concept. If, if we don't bring up anything else, I want to bring up this. Um, and that's something I've brought up on the show before. And it was kind of like almost a contrarian stance. Because part of the reason why I didn't like that um, Gregory, Gregory was gone was the... Okay, I know, we're bringing up Gregory again. But Hilltop did best. Okay, do you remember when Gregory was going at it alone? Um, and then Maggie came into the picture and Hilltop was suddenly thriving. But it was still Gregory and Maggie. And then eventually Maggie took over and then it was Maggie and Jesus. The formula seems to be that Hilltop does best when it has uh, a number one that kind of is kind of iffy um, or at least heavy handed. And that there's but more importantly, that there's a number two that really is doing the work. Um, and when that happens, Hilltop seems to thrive best. So Gregory and then Maggie underneath her and Maggie really runs the show. Maggie with Greg with um, Jesus underneath her. Now Maggie's pretty heavy handed um, when we first see her in the season, but she's getting things done. But she's also talking to Georgie and Jesus you know, we suddenly find Jesus kind of come into his own and really start to lead a little bit. Now, you know, now that Maggie's kind of checked out, she's trying to get Negan, all this stuff. So, so Jesus kind of has to step up. Now we're dealing with a scenario where um, you had Jesus, who was kind of flaky as the leader, you know, going off, meeting Aaron, all that stuff. And you had Tara really running the show. And it's Tara's really not getting her due, though, too. Tara's been... You know, organizing schedules, talking to people, making sure Jesus gets, stays on track. I mean, she's really getting things done. Now, when you see Tara, Tara, you don't really instantly think leader, but that's not to say that she can't be a really good number two. Now, so if Daryl comes into his own and is expected to kind of lead with Tara, he can be her number two be that effective person. And Tara can just be, I mean, she could continue doing what she's doing right now. But he can take part in some of the rougher decisions. It's kind of what Michonne's kind of implying, is that she needs you to step up and make the harder decisions, to make judgment calls, to be that judge of character. And this is the hilltop formula, and it continues to this day. Even if Gregory was leading, even if Maggie was leading, even if Jesus was leading, and now Tara. So, um, yeah, exactly. So, Walani, Jesus seemed out of it or over it in the opener. And that's kind of the point. The hilltop formula has always been one leader kind of sort of checks out, you know, and then the other leader kind of just has always been there in the background. You know what I mean? So, and it seems to be what works. So why mess with perfection? You know, so, um, now, so Michelle, I don't think Tara walks away and ignores everything. I don't think that's the point. Um, Tara, um, Tara is, she is invested. Like, I know that we have seen Tara. Okay, do you remember Tara um, uh, on the fifth episode of the season? You know, making up code names. They're funny, and she's kind of like not with it. I think they could have done a better job coming back into the, uh, in you know, do after the time jump, showing exactly how Tara is on the ball, the the ways in which she stepped up. That's on them to 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 do better. 
Um, but all the evidence, all the evidence at least, like, it takes a little bit of reading into, and that's kind of a bad thing, that you have to read into the fact that she's kind of been on the ball. I've made these observations from the beginning of the season. That's kind of like a mistake in boarding. Like, if you're going to make Tara seem like she's been taking care of Hilltop the entire time, you've got to do that right. And if you're going to do that right, you've got to make people understand that and believe that. And if you're not with it, then that's their bad. That is totally their bad, you know what I mean? And so, and that's kind of like what I wanted to bring up. I, I think this is something we should look out for. I think we should not, we should do our best not to discredit Tara. I don't think it's her fault, like the character's fault or the actress's fault. I think it's actually, I mean, it's Angela Kang's fault for not really bringing Tara's importance to the fore. Like they hinted at it um, when we came back after the time jump, but I don't think it packed enough of a punch to really change the perception of Tara that we had. I mean, the, the last big impression of Tara that we had was her wanting to kill Dwight, to be honest. You know, we, we haven't really had a powerful, impactful scene with Tara in a while. And that scene kind of left a huge impression on the kind of person she is. Like, she'll discard reason for vengeance, you know? And now it seems as though she's really sacrificing a lot to help Hilltop thrive, but it's not expressed well enough. Do you know what I mean? So. Um, that was really the big finisher. I had other stuff, but I didn't want to kind of bombard you with too much more. The one thing that I wanted to do is bring up one question, and that's what I'll leave you with. Um, did Judith know that Negan was going to come back? That's a big question. One of the things, uh, and now also along with that question, um, do you think she meant to hit him when she shot at him, by the way? Yeah, so... I think we're in consensus. I think we all knew that she was going to come back. I wasn't quite sure if she actually knew. Look, she's a fucking kid. But, um... <laughs> I like Ms. Mazel's answer the best. G.S. Judith knows the future. Judith is kind of like... Was it the uh, Guardians or something? What do they call them? Um, the ones in, in the Marvel Universe and know everything? The Beyonder? Judith is a Beyonder. <laughs> Um, and, okay, I see, uh, you guys are saying that, uh, she did not mean to hit him. Okay, I'm in, I'm in. Um, <laughs> I like Walani's answer, too. Uh, I think she was just trying to keep her promise. Mm, yeah, I guess so. I mean, if, if she's gonna keep her promise, Negan has to keep his. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good consensus. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's the thing, like, so, I mean, it's, it's kind of hard to believe that, like, they bred such a capable, perfect, like, I mean... I think the key, the real question might be is, does she show, I mean, will she show imperfections, frailties? Because, like, right now, this kid's perfect. This Judith Grimes chick is perfect. I mean, the, will there be failings? Will there be times where she's wrong? That's going to be interesting to me. I mean, and how is she going to react when Negan does not keep his promise? Does pick up Lucille? Does crack a few skulls open? That's where maybe we'll see where she's not so perfect. Or maybe she'll show how much of a kid she is. I mean, kids in the apocalypse, they've got a different sauce brewing inside them that makes them kind of different. But yeah, I mean, she can't be perfect. You know what I mean? Like, it's just not possible. I mean, look at Henry. I mean, he's far from perfect. But, I mean, the dude wanted to kill the people that killed his parents. So. Uh, or his brother, too. Um... Okay, so No Sanctuary is chiming in saying that the shot did not look controlled. When you lock your elbows like she did, it only does to screw your aim and makes the gun fly to your head, which is what happened. That's kind of a good point, actually. And they do they do give some weapons directions, too, you know? Um, <laughs> by the way, Miss Mazel, Henry's gotta go. Um, I can't believe how many people are saying that, too. I mean, I can believe it, but the staggering sheer amount of people that are over Henry is is actually kind of overwhelming. 
Um, a lot of people don't have the the feelings that I do poetically about what it means to keep Henry alive, like what he represents, what he has represented, and the fact that he's still alive, um, and what that means to the universe, which I've mentioned here and there, but yeah. <laughs> and Nisa's right behind you, which is why she's laughing so hard. <laughs> Um, so I think that's a real, that's really where we're at because I mean, that's kind of the last scene. Um, the only thing that we have right now is a sneak peek. Uh, we see where Henry and kind of dovetail with our laughter is that Henry's kind of giving up where the kingdom is right before Daryl pulls him out of the cell and doesn't give everything away to Lydia. But I kind of like that. I kind of like that Henry is naive. I kind of like that he's like still representing what I always thought he was that that I like this archetype of innocence of of hope of the future like even though he was bent on vengeance he represents Carol not giving up hope and finding him alive still and what he continues to mean as a son you know so um and Walani's saying it's just that that Henry character is dull could it be the I mean as much as I like Matt Lintz the way Matt Lintz plays Henry like almost as like a straight character like just all a little bit wooden um could it also be the acting could it be the way he's choosing to portray Henry um but maybe that's what they're going for though maybe they need that kind of performance you know it's supposed to piss you off it's supposed to piss you off that he's a stupid innocent teenager I mean the fact that you can breed somebody like that okay walk with me here walk with me here okay hold on the fact that you and exactly see michelle you hit the nail on the head so the fact that we could breed a character like henry to be this innocent always looking to do the good thing you know maybe he has a bad day maybe he does something stupid fine but he's still figuring things out and then you breed a character like lydia in that environment you have this environment of love and protection and hope and what he represents here and lydia is kind of the same on this side but within a different environment you know alpha is breeding her to be tough to protect herself to be a certain way so that she can protect the people that she loves or wants to protect, you know, keep safe. You know, they kind of represent who they are in their own camp. And Henry, unfortunately, has to be this vanilla, this white part of the yin-yang, you know, where Lydia, whereas Lydia has to be the black part with the white center, you know? Think about that. It's pissing you off, but it's gonna serve a purpose. I hopefully, I, I mean, I almost hope that... <laughs> And again, this is just me fucking with people. Like, I hope that they fuck up this whole idea of Lydia and him being together. Just because we all expect it. I just hope it gets trashed and ruined. So, anyway. Um, so think about it. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's supposed to be and that they fall in love or whatever it is. Whatever it's gonna be. And then it causes all sorts of shit. But, um... <laughs> well, Lonnie. But Henry was a little spunky dude and he grows into what? <laughs> Good point. But, I mean, I, I think it's the idea that he got, like, the worst out of him. You know, they got the worst part of part of what that was out of him. And now he's growing up in a loving environment, you know? And to be this noble, contributing person, capable, learning to engineer things, learning, wanting to be a better bla bla blacksmith. I mean, um, yeah. And, I mean, that's kind of the point. And so, in terms of the future, though, I'm kind of... Like, given everything that we said in this episode, like, some of the symbolism that we've seen, so some of the, um, Aaron giving up on joining communities, and then also Negan giving up on the sanctuary, on being his old self, technically, for now, we'll see. But, you know, people changing their minds about things, about who they thought they were, the people that they thought they were, um, you never know. You never know. And so, I think with that, um, guys, let's call it a night. It's late enough here on the East Coast. It's uh, quarter to one in the morning. Uh, we're on a third stream. Um, so, uh, 
let's leave it there. We've got an episode to watch on Sunday night, and um, hopefully I'll catch you guys in the middle of the week when we have more hosts to choose from besides this guy losing his voice, talking all night by himself. And you know what, though? I couldn't have done it with all, without all of you guys because guess the fuck what? We are squawking dead. Have a good night, guys. <laughs> and this is for you, um, No Sanctuary. Stop stream. <laughs> <laughs>